everyone. Welcome to the Influencer Economy. This is Ryan Williams. Thank you so much for downloading or streaming this episode with Michael Goldfein. It's number 11 in our series. Uh, Michael is the founder of Rockstream Studios. It's a digital media company focused on creating and financing three screen productions. Recently, he launched the ultra-successful film Camp Dakota, which stars YouTube personalities Grace Helbig, Hannah Hart, and Mamrie Hart. The film is a camp story that was loosely based on Michael's experience at camp, and the film was profitable within four days of its digital release. It was massively successful. It had uh, reached number three on iTunes for independent films, right below Dallas Buyers Club and Best Picture winner 12 Years a Slave. So the film was independently financed. It was independently distributed strictly online, and it was playing with the big boys. It's an inspiring conversation that I had with him about his background and how, you know, in the film world and really any creative endeavor, you get a lot of no's, you get a lot of people who are not interested in changing up the status quo. So Michael talks about his collaboration with the other actors and filmmakers, as well as how he didn't need mainstream publicity to sell tickets, that they made this film for Dakota Nation, which is hashtag Dakota Nation, all the fans online that love the film, that bought it regardless if the New York Times reviewed it. So overall, um, I love the conversation. It was really fascinating to hear how you can independently finance and distribute. And as someone who is a creative entrepreneur, I know that everyone in media is is actually looking at these types of case studies to figure out, do you go traditional or digital? And obviously digital won for him as they were top 15 in iTunes in the US, top 10 overall in the UK and all throughout Europe. And it was actually promoted on iTunes uh, next to Gravity and Thor 2. So Apple thought highly of it. And in the end, Wanted to remind everyone that uh, the website is influencereconomy.com. Uh, we're also on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes if you want to download the podcast. We have some great archives with Freddie Wong of Rocket Jump, Bernie Burns of Rooster Teeth, Adam Grant, who just wrote uh, the book Give and Take, which was a New York Times bestseller. So Michael's got an inspiring story. Uh, we discuss a lot of his past coming from Peoria, Illinois. And uh, I actually turned on the microphone to start the podcast without him really knowing and without even knowing if I would use it. Um, but inspired by Mark Marin and Nerdist, we just started talking and the mic came on. Thank you so much again for downloading the episode. Without further ado, Michael Goldfine. And great dancer. And uh, an elegant shoe wear of New Balances. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I dressed up. I hope you're okay. See, here's the story. I have like bad arches, so I have to wear like the... Running New Balances 24-7. I like your rides. And those are stylish. I wish I could. I would have 20 pairs of those in multiple colors if I could. I, by the way, I'm the worst dresser ever, but I do love nice uh, tennis shoes. So nice tennis shoes are their way to go. Exactly. Um, okay. And we'll start it right now. Oh, I thought that was that should be the podcast. That was the interview. That And then we can just go. <coughs> and uh, here we are with Michael Goldfine, who is the president of... Rock, help me here. Stream Studios. Rock Stream Studios. It's how polished I am. Yeah. Um, and he's a producer, story writer for Camp Dakota, among many other things. We're in the actual home office where he filmed part of T Camp Dakota. Cool. Well, what I love about your whole filmmaking process is that you view this, it's like a startup where you all had multiple roles. You worked with YouTube talent, people that had big followings. And you're not too different than... How I, I would imagine a startup runs like I've worked with many companies and helped them launch mobile apps, where you you just you're lean, you're mean, and I'd love to know more about how you came to 
to work with all the the people at Camp Dakota where where the idea came from originally and how you became a, a story creator as well as a producer on it. Yeah, those are incredibly fancy words. Yeah. And I can already tell you right now, you're way smarter than me. This is a buzzworthy podcast. I like it. Uh, what's your life cycle for the film? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I like when it. When I was at South by Southwest Interactive, that was my favorite bullshit buzzword. Was, really? What, what, what's the life cycle of your blank? And you're like, what are you talking about? To speak English. 85, I think, is a great answer for a question. 85. Like 85. So uh, solid B. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, do you want me to answer one of those questions or pick, I'm going to follow you? What is Camp Dakota? Uh, Camp Dakota loosely means, uh, female friendship. And I got to remember back cause I, I guess it wasn't that long ago, but it feels like that long ago. Um, in Sioux Indian, I found it, uh, where you find everything else online. I was trying to find a name for the movie and, you know, you go through tons of different things and I was looking for something that would symbolize what the movie is about, which is friendship between these three, uh, women. And, um, so I was looking through all these different things and that names that weren't taken and this, that, and the other. And finally, um, when I came through translations, I found female friendship in, um, Sue and it was Dakota and then Camp Dakota. Cool. Explain the plot to people that have seen it, and would you explain it the same way or differently? Well, first of all, I would say pause it, go to CampDakota.com, watch the movie, we'll wait, and then come back. Five, four, three, two, and we're back. Yeah, can you believe that happened? <laughs> Amazing, right? I thought so. Anyway. It's only $10. Yeah, nine ninety nine. actually. And um, don't watch it now, but you can go ahead and buy the um, documentary. It's where we're sitting right now. Which is $15. Yeah. And then there's a whole bunch of extras. Yeah, a bunch of stuff. So, which I do want to get to, but I'd love to get people to understand the plot that just didn't pause the podcast. Sure. Um, thanks for not listening. Um, <laughs> uh, I would say this, that the plot is very simple, and it goes back to what I initially had thought. And uh, so Mamrie, who just um, rocks it. Um, Mamrie Hart. Mamrie Hart. She's a big YouTuber. Yeah, and she's... Um, also just super creative and super smart and super funny. And she does the drunk, drunk uh, kitchen show. You deserve a drink. You deserve a drink. You deserve a drink. And so we wrote the story together. Uh, Mamrie and I did. And then she wrote with Lydia Genner, she wrote the, um, the script. And how'd you and Mamrie hook up? So basically what happened is I was looking, I had, when I thought, when I decided this is the movie I want to do and I started figuring out kind of shaping what the movie was going to be, I went out to see who could be in this. And I figured maybe it should be female rather than someone based on me. It should switching this to female. And I initially met uh, Hannah Hart, uh, <clears throat> who was amazing. And then um, Hannah introduced me to Grace. And when I met Grace, I was like, wow, this is she's great. And I I saw someone who I thought could really act also in the same with Hannah, although Hannah did not have the experience the graces and the and let me just stop for a second. The great thing about them that I think is really amazing is um neither of them had a lot of experience in acting. And so we kind of just kind of looked at them and saw the potential and saw that like they could do it and they did do it. They knocked it out. When of you the see park. them in the movie, you would have no idea that they weren't trained. Right. And, and it's just like something it's seamless saw like, totally. wow, they could really do it. And it's a really testament to them. Not, um, only in terms of, 
just like, you know, when people say YouTube, I say, no, it's them as um, professionals and just talent, something innate. And so then when I met Grace, you know, I told her what I wanted to do. I wanted to make this camp movie and I wanted her possibly to star in it and be the the person who, you know, has this issue, whatever. And she said, you know, you should also meet uh, this this girl I'm friends with, Mamrie, and she's very interested in camp too. And so I'm like, sure, I'd love to meet her. How, you know? How'd you meet Hannah? I had met someone introduced me. I had been introduced to Hannah. Okay. And so then Hannah introduced me to Grace, and Grace is like, look, you should meet Mamrie also if you're introduced in, interested in the two of us, especially since you want to do this camp movie. She wants to, she's interested in camp. So I met her, and, and she's like, I'm actually interested. I had been working on something too. And it just happened to be. And so we sat down and we clicked immediately. We, I think we had the same sensibilities and same sort of sense of humor. And um, we just sat there and we're like, oh my God, this is kind of, um, it's kind of interesting how we both really want to make a camp movie. And we have sort of the same ideas of what will work, what won't work. And we sat down and we, we pounded out a story. And that's how Camp Dakota came to be is we got together and we we shared ideas and we knocked out a story together. And how much did their YouTube following have any impact in you working with them, if it did at all? Because <clears throat> if you're making the movie, you're probably not thinking about distribution at that point. But your model of distribution was a big deal. It was a lot different than your typical film yeah, because they had a built-in following. Well, I think at the very beginning, you know, from where I sit and I think that... You know, to me, the idea was getting to make the movie that I wanted to make. Control was very important. And I don't mean me control. I th- I would, what it means is that me and my collaborators, because I collaborated with the three of them, and they're amazing um, in the sense of they're smart, they're funny, um, and they just get it. And we see eye to eye in terms of the creative process. So it was important for me to have control in this process so I could share that control with them. And together we could make the movie that we wanted to make. So if, and I had people along the way that I worked with before or people who had come up um, as we're making it that I hadn't met and said, hey, we'd love to be a part of this. But it didn't fit the model that I wanted, which was we weren't, interested or I wasn't interested in taking outside um, notes or this, that, and the other. We knew what we were doing. We knew the movie we wanted to make, and I knew the movie. We knew the story we wanted to tell. So it was a team. Yeah. Versus your typical Hollywood production. The first germs of it was like, okay, I'm going to, this could be the story. And so I started working on that, and then it matured a little bit, matured. I shaped it. I went through a couple different um, forms of it. And it started shaping more and more. And as I shaped it, um, I thought I had a pretty good story idea. And I hadn't quite gotten to the treatment, but close. And then um, I started thinking, what should I do? Should I go by? And I had just worked on a movie, a Kevin Hart movie. And um, I was like, should I go back to traditional film? Should I go to television, which I had had done before? Um, What should I do? And I thought, you know, I'm going to go back to digital because if I do film this movie may just become a home movie or maybe it'll be like one of those indian i could take it to a film festival and it could you know i go have fancy dinners places but no one will ever see it. it'll be a home movie and that's where i thought you know i could go down the digital realm and so i started exploring that about <clears throat> making the movie i wanted to make 
but down the digital sort of um, process. So the, I, I, one of my first guests was a guy named Bernie Burns, and he's a creator of Red versus Blue, the Machinima series. Mm-hmm. And he got rejected from Sundance years ago for a feature film and then was invited to Sundance to speak after Red versus Blue took off. That's funny. It's like these whole industry patterns where either you get rejected or you avoid it because you know that a small amount of people decide what a large amount of people get to see. And you, in a lot of ways, reverse engineered the process of filmmaking because you had an audience before the film potentially would have come out. Yeah, well, I mean, at the very first part of this, I realized that I could make this movie. I I had, you know, done reasonably well enough and and people knew I could tell a story that I could probably figure out a way to get this made somehow, but I didn't know if I could... I wasn't quite sure, but when I figured out going the digital route, then I was like, okay, let's figure out how to tell a really good story and have a cool and something that people are really going to like. And that's when I really started to go to town. By the way, the funny part when you talk about the film festival is that after we made this movie, uh, Toronto came after us and they are wonderful, wonderful, amazing people in Toronto. And we ended up taking it to Toronto and showed it at the film festival oh, nice. up there, and it was awesome. Um, and we had a great. So they time came up to there. you. Yeah, they came to us several times and asked that we bring it up there, and we did on the opening weekend uh, that our film opened here in the, um, worldwide. Brought it up to Toronto, showed it. They were lovely people, and it did great. That's cool. Yes, it was weird. So what's happened to you since then, professionally? Because I, when I googled you all, there was press initially. Did you guys get a lot of, I guess I keep asking two-part questions because there's like so many ways to go about this. The first one is, did you get a lot of early reviews? Because I'm writing a book and one of the big pros is getting a publisher is they can get you in the New York Times review section. And Did you get a lot of reviews for the film Upfront? Uh, from, you mean like tr- before? From traditional out? outlets. We weren't interested in getting reviews for it. So... I'm trying to think. I don't think we did because we didn't want reviews. Like did you we do weren't PR? Interested in. We didn't really do much. We didn't do a traditional film uh, kind of release. So we weren't interested in any of that kind of uh, publicity. Like we didn't need it. You just made it. Yeah, we didn't want it. Like we just made, like it's the weirdest thing. And maybe, you know, there maybe other people would do this differently, or whatever, but like that's not what I was interested in. I was interested in and maybe this is like so stupid simple i was really fucking interested in just making a good piece of content that people wanted to watch period end of story so i wasn't like all right you know is uh janet maslin or i don't know whoever some big ass yeah gonna watch you know a.o scott gonna right gonna watch this like kcrw like elvis mitchell right is, is exactly he gonna, is he gonna exactly be the elite endorsement that gets exactly people no to watch this? no and like you know with to coordination care no yeah so we didn't even try and by the way i'd be happy for them to 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 view it i i'll put this movie up i don't care but now it's like you've gotten tons of press afterwards yes and that's a cool way to do it so you're saying you're not, there's not a lot of build-up and hype and you made a film for fans of these people right the personalities they like the content they like the, the story but now what's happened to you do you feel like people are like oh this is interesting I feel, you know what I feel like? I feel like, and I'm sure a lot of people, you know, if people are listening to this and especially if they're, you know, trying to do a creative endeavor, I feel like there's a lot of people who say no 
it's really easy to say no, you know? And so the people will say no, there's naysayers. And at the beginning when you're making something, everyone says no, 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 yeah. no, no. Then it's once easy you to make, say no. Right. And then when you make it, all of a sudden the no's turn. Right. That's what I feel like. What would, you, would this have been possible even two years ago? Do you think that it's changed that drastically? I have been lucky enough to do a ton of stuff on YouTube, like big um, type projects, like um, big streaming projects, like everything from like um, the Academy Awards streaming it to the Oscars to like Coachella to like big events to American Express on stage series. So these big events on there. Live streams? Yeah, live streams. So I, I've done a ton of big live streams. So I know about doing big events with big carriage. And I remember when I first started doing those a long time ago when they didn't really work so well. And then, you know, in the last couple of years when it really started working and it hit. Mm -hmm. And so I've thought about that. Would I be able to do what I did with this movie? We probably could have cobbled something together. The technology, I'm pretty versed on the technology. It was getting there. Right now we're pretty good. Um, again, I'm a big believer if, you know, and knowing both sides of it, but I, I love the story side of it. If you make a really good story and, you, and you're true to your audience, you know, and you work with great people, which I did. I was lucky enough to work with the three of them. You can find, you'll find them. Do you have any good anecdotes from the set that Team Dakota may want to hear? Just because I read an article that said that it was really hard to get cell phone service, so it really did feel like you were on, at camp. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. We really could not get. There was none, and and one person asked me like, "Did you do this on purpose? Like you like figured out a way right. to get?" No, <laughs> we didn't. But like there was, um, there was a lot of like, like any indie movie, there was like a lot of uh, stops and starts, and a lot of like crazy stuff I can't really get into that made us stronger as a team. But um, barriers and things, you yeah, to work through exactly. But I got to tell you, like the it was just such they're just so lovely like the three of them are so I, such a weird word but it's so true the three of them are just so lovely to work I with i feel like you hear that in hollywood but it's always people saying that disingenuously they're saying like oh it's so lovely working with this other person and they're behind the scenes like well they were an asshole no these but girls, you were like genuinely they're so fucking like talented and you're they're just, so fucking talented yeah. and so fucking nice and so funny and like, like it comes across as super genuine uh, they're, they're, like, they're great like, it's refreshing to hear the, it be, and it's great like it's amazing it's like you know we bonded like uh, my entire this started this whole genesis started because or whatever it is is like because I was trying to fucking figure out a way to get back to summer camp mm -hmm. and at the end when we wrapped shooting I'm like I figured it out just make a movie about yeah. it and pick, and pick the right people for your bunk right and I did. Yeah. And in the process, I figured out a way to make movies that makes me feel great, that I control the creative process with a team that I choose, and then we can be collaborative. And hopefully I'll be able to keep doing this till I retire maybe 50, 60 years if I could yeah. do this right. Yeah. And then the, the big overarching thing, and I kind of hit it earlier, is that in a creative endeavor that I've found, take it for what it's worth, is everyone is going to tell you no. Everyone is going to tell you no. 
you've got, if you really want to do this, you've got to have a mind to say, okay, they're going to tell me no and I'm still going to plow ahead. Yeah. It's the only way you will make it because everyone is going to tell you no. Because if this, because making a movie and, and I made a bunch of stuff and this one was amazing and not everything's amazing, but what it's so fun to make a movie and it's so fun to tell a story. If it, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Right. So you got to just, Take the nose, ignore him, and plow ahead. There's a guy named Flula. Have you met him? Flula was in our movie. Oh, he was? Yeah. yeah he's my. He's on the podcast. And Love so Flula. He was saying he that... Did the, he did the last song in our movie, uh, Flula, when it goes to credits. No yeah, way. Yeah. He does my intro music on my podcast. Oh, it's awesome. He's beatboxing, and he created it all like, on his own sounds. It's great. And he, he was saying to me, because I was asking him how to describe himself, and he's like, look, I just make videos, and that's what I do. And he's like, if you listen to anyone or look at stats, never do that. Because if you look at the probability of success, it's going to be 0%. Like everyone's yes. going to tell you you're not going to succeed. And the stats will tell you you're not going to succeed. But you just, you got to create. Yeah, exactly. When you say someone from Peoria, Illinois, I'm from fucking Peoria, yeah. Illinois. I mean, it's a great double town. A, double A Cubs team. Yeah. Not even a major No, league. it's single A. Single, oh, it's single A. Yeah. Not even O. And Whoa. then I moved to Chicago and I mean, they, I love the Cubs, but yeah. they're not very good either. So to continue they're, they're your like analogy. They're a single A team. Exactly. <laughs> but yes, I would keep doing it because the payoff is unbelievable. It's just, it's the greatest thing it's in the world to tell stories. To learn, start creating. Yes, learn collaborate with everything and just keep making, keep making and ignore everyone who tells you you can't do it. And just keep persevering. Someone told me it's like attrition. It is. People give up and you're that much further ahead than the guy who quit. Oh, there's no question is that the people who make it are the people who stick around. Right. And how long have you been at, at this? I think I've been doing this, I mean, going all the way back through like doing it through school is like 16 years. And I mean, I, but like I was doing this through college, Mm -hmm. through like grad school, through all this, like, and through really crappy situations, um, but just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. But it's like, you almost don't have a choice. Yeah. I used to work in film when I moved out here. But back in D.C. where I lived, I worked on The Wire the greatest in Baltimore. Oh, my God. The greatest. One of the greatest things I think ever made. It was amazing. And so I, I met the real life Bubbles. Oh, my God. Because he would come by and want to see David Simon. And, this could be a podcast. Yeah. And by then, the way, anyone who has never seen The Wire, go see it. Yeah, get it right now. It's uh, on Netflix. Amazing. But I met. Some and of, on HBO Go. It's on HBO Go? Oh, yeah, really? HBO okay. Go. I didn't know that. The archives? Oh my God, it's so funny. Yeah, it's, it's a great storytelling. And it was actually based on real people in Baltimore. But the amount of fans I met on The Wire, everyone wanted to be an extra in Baltimore. And they look at me, I'm wearing my North Face puffy jacket and like a skull, a, a, a ski toboggan hat, not even a skull cap. I tried to oversell how cool I was. <laughs> I wasn't. And they would say like, I want to be an extra on The Wire. How do I get on The Wire? And I feel like with YouTube, in a lot of ways, it's like, I love you. I can tell you through a comment. I can tweet you. I can buy your merchandise. Like that, they're that much more accessible than the people were. And one of the reasons why I left, and this is what relations to you now is that I could still be in film if this was the modern day launch, or at least the the starting of the trend that we're in, where people can self distribute and self produce and have creative autonomy. But I left the world to go to startups that were leveraging social media around entertainment. So you can make it, you can control it, you can own it. Yeah. Yeah, one of the theories I have for the book I'm writing is you're either an owner or a renter. And you can own your content, own your ideas, own your distribution, or you can rent it from a bigger company that's going to have 
a gatekeeper who tells you what to do with it. Right. And so you're, you're you own it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's amazing. And, and there's so many cool possibilities and there's so many like great people to collaborate with. I mean, it's, it's amazing. There's so many. That's the other thing is there's so many amazing people to go out there and work with. And it's so accessible. Like, you know, whether you live in D.C. or wherever you live, you can be in contact with these people all over the place and work with them and make movies and make, you know, content or whatever, whatever the size or shape or flavor you want to do. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I think that's it. Well, thank you. That was great. Thank you. I appreciate it. I like the advice you gave. That was a a good note to end on. I I appreciate it. And uh, shout out if anyone from Dakota Nation is listening. Thank you again. We we love you. We appreciate you. And thank you. Hashtag Dakota Nation. Yeah. Hell yes. Okay. (laughs) 